The Teal Time Podcast is brought to you by Robert's Furniture. Robert's Furniture sponsors the Daily Press's High School Football Player of the Week and its Game of the Week. Last week's Player of the Week is Gloucester kicker Isaiah Lester, who made a game-winning field goal to beat Hampton. And the Game of the Week is York and Pocosin, played Friday night at Pocosin Middle School. Now, on to the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Teal Time Podcast with David Teal. I'm Jonathan Heater alongside David Teal. Take two of our entry, huh? I gotta say, we've been doing, this is 61 of these. I think that's the first time we've had to restart the beginning. (laughs) We've had not recording. Yes. That was early in our our tenure. We had a full 45 minutes that didn't record. We had to start over. We've had to run out of batteries. We've had to cards run out of space. That's the first time I think I flubbed the the very intro. Yeah, there there have been landings we haven't stuck very well, but the uh, but uh, that one was a first. And uh, you guys would never know if we're telling the truth because we just cut them out. So yes. Okay, so another wild weekend Gosh. in the ACC and the country. You know, going into this week, it seemed with not many high profile yeah, matchups, was, that it was going to be calm. Right. Hello, not. And I think since it spanked, the field expanded or the top AP expanded to the top 25, it was the wildest top 25 in terms of losses by ranked opponents down outside of the top 10. I think like 11 teams may have lost, something like that. Wow. It, it, uh, it was. I know I was having trouble finding 16 teams to get ranked for the football writers poll, that's for sure. Well, we'll uh, get into all that, but, but let's start off with the front runner for the ACC Coastal Division, uh, Virginia Cavaliers. Your UVA Cavaliers. Um, so if we went into the season, we <laughs> thought North Carolina would be at the bottom, which they are. Um, Duke, Miami, Georgia Tech are the bottom three outside of North Carolina. And mm-hmm. the top three are Virginia, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. Now, we expected probably Virginia Tech to be in that mix, but no way Virginia or Pitt. No. Absolutely and, not. And lo and behold, <laughs> look look at the schedule. Pitt and Virginia play this week. Pitt and Virginia Tech play the following week. Huge, huge games for, for the Coastal Division. I never would have guessed that Pitt was going to be in the mix, nor Virginia. Um, but Pitt has been more of a late bloomer. Uh, I mean, they lost to North Carolina. Yeah. That's a terrible loss. Yeah. But they've rebounded and they beat Syracuse. In overtime at home. Yeah. yeah. So – they're playing much better football. Um, Even the one game they lost, they played pretty well, the five-point loss at Notre Dame. Yes, you know, the, yes. The, the one recent loss. And that was right after the Virginia Tech game against Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was the next week. Yes. So Pittsburgh, um, I think, Virginia was very consistent in the early part of the season, and as the momentum of the season build built, we felt like maybe they were going to get into the mix. Pittsburgh, to me, has been a complete – surprise even as recent as two weeks ago well it's because of how the Panthers lost those two non-conference games to Central Florida and Penn State which is no shame I mean I know but you got you got boat raced in both I mean you were non-competitive and that's what I think prompted most of us to kind of shove Pitt aside and say okay let's look at the rest of the division well, we'll have plenty to talk about with the Pitt-Virginia game coming up, but let's go back to last week 
Uh, we could start on Thursday night with Virginia Tech's abysmal showing, particularly on defense against Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech ran like 73 plays. 78. 78 plays. They only attempted one pass, didn't complete it, mm-hmm. and literally ran Virginia Tech off the field. 465 yards rushing. Is overmatched as Virginia Tech's defense looked against the pass against Old Dominion. It was the the mirror of that against the run. Yeah, no, it was it, it was crazy. And I've got a stat here for you, Jonathan. And I don't know if if I can explain it. Through Virginia Tech's first four and a half games, uh, this is at halftime of the Notre Dame game. Virginia Tech was allowing two point four yards per carry. In the last two and a half games, second half of Notre Dame, Carolina, and Georgia Tech, the Hokies are allowing 6.4 yards per carry. A full four yards a carry more, nearly three times as many yards per carry as they allowed in the first four and a half games. And, and, you, and you can't lay it all on Georgia Tech in the option because Carolina averaged more yards per carry against Virginia Tech than did Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, I think somebody said after the game, they were only running like four or five different plays. It was, I mean, it was just like watching a dam break with holes popping up everywhere. First, Tobias Oliver, who had has been playing all season, um, but had first career start, first career start, red shirt freshman. Yes, he's more f- more of a physical, physically imposing. Not that he's big, but he's bigger than Taquan Marshall. Yeah, um, more sinewy. It seems like um, can can get in and out of spaces pretty quickly. Can't really throw it. I mean, I saw him play a lot in high school, and he's not got much of an arm. But you know, who needed it the other night? And he. Took care of the ball. I think there's one errant pitch. One errant pitch, yeah, which which they recovered, which Georgia Tech yeah. recovered. Ricky Walker could have had it for Virginia yes. Tech and didn't. It was a really bad decision. And the yeah, because he tried to scoop it. Yeah, well, this no, yes, by Walker. Yeah, but the spacing of the running back led for a terrible angle to pitch it. Yeah, um, but largely he played really well. I thought. I mean, he ran for 200 yards, so obviously he played well. But I thought they that offense looked a little crisper. No, it looked it looked great and. Interestingly enough, after the game, both Justin Fuente and Bud Foster, the Hokies' defensive coordinator, lamented the fact that Virginia Tech could not stop the quarterback sweep, which Georgia Tech had not shown a lot of with Marshall. Well, I've got news for Virginia Tech. If you think that Tobias Oliver on a quarterback sweep is a load, wait till you get a load of number three, from Virginia and Bryce Perkins on Black Friday because he's bigger, faster, and stronger than Tobias Oliver. And the Cavaliers do run the quarterback sweep. Yeah, well, there's so much. The bigger picture is starting to come a little bit more into focus uh, as we know more about Virginia and we know more about Virginia Tech naturally. Um, But a couple things that I think – having watched a lot of Georgia Tech football, are mind-blowing to me from a defensive perspective if you're playing them. One is the fourth down 
and one where Paul Johnson shifts into that backfield where the quarterbacks, the two two backs come back behind and they line up and they try to draw you off sides. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever worked. <laughs> uh, but they run almost religiously on fourth and ones. They run toss sweeps. And to me, if you're a defensive coordinator, it just is a matter of guessing which side they're going to run. And you can probably tell based on their Formation. blocking personnel where they're going to run it. Yeah. But they run that play all the time on fourth and one. You would think naturally it'd be the fullback dive because of, of the offense, but they run that toss sweep a lot. And and I know they converted at least one fourth down the other day on a toss They sweep. did. I think that was the only one, though. Uh, but, you know, the listeners are, are a lot more interested in what's going wrong for the Hokies than they are what's going right for Georgia Tech. Well, and granted, the attrition on Virginia Tech's defense has been crippling from the off-season to in-season injuries and then in-game injuries against Georgia Tech. You know, you lose Dylan Rivers, you lose Jared Hewitt, and then in the second half you lose Khalil Ladler to a targeting penalty, which will keep him out of the first half Saturday against Boston College and A.J. Dillon. Right. You know, you're thinking, okay. <laughs> if you could have seen v- my face. V- v- Virginia Tech all of a sudden can't stop the run. Well, who comes calling the next two weeks? The best back in the league. A.J. Dillon and Boston College. And then Pitt, which, oh, by the way, ran for 485 yards against Duke on Saturday. It's it's. It's crazy. But but some of those things, some of the personnel, th- I mean, obviously you have to consider personnel. But Virginia Tech, was was their defense was just dominated by old a bad Old Dominion team, right? And Georgia Tech, while they have a puncher's chance every week, it's not a super talented Georgia Tech team. I mean, not vintage by any stretch. So the fact that those are two of your darkest defensive performances – you know, and in and, and your two wins that we've talked about, you know, the Florida State win, what a great win, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much. Yeah, devalued. Duke, oh man, they went on the road. It's still a great win to win on yeah. the road in the league against, you know, a, the jumble of garbage in the middle of the division. But that certainly isn't looking like some sort of a achievement anymore. We, we thought it was the way Duke started the season in the non conference, but the Blue Devils have hit the skids big time. So then all of this kind of angles towards the inevitable question, are they in trouble of missing a bowl? Absolutely. Absolutely they could be. You know, they're four and three, and they only have four games left. Unless Whit Babcock and his staff decide that they want to pull a Florida State and schedule a 12th game on December 1st to replace the uh, the hurricane game against East Carolina. But, I mean, that, that gets to be really dicey because South Carolina is out there looking for a 12th game on December 1st, and South Carolina has SEC network money and money from 80,000-plus in the stands that Virginia Tech doesn't have. So if it comes down to a bidding war as to how much you're going to pay like a group of five clubs such as Southern Miss or Akron to come to your barn on December 1st, Virginia Tech's losing that to, to South Carolina. Now, is there a, a secondary partner that, that might be available? You don't know. Does Virginia Tech want the optics of a two-third empty stadium for a noon game 
on December 1st. Is the bowl streak worth that? You're going to have to pay a team a million bucks. Then whatever bowl you go to, if you win that game, presuming you get to even five wins, then you're probably going to lose money in at the bowl because you're going to a a, a lower tier game that's not going to pay a a, a big um, a big number. So there, there's a lot of decisions to be made in Blacksburg. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, so one double A teams or, or FCS teams, they're barred from playing more than eleven games, right? In the regular season? No, I think they can schedule 12 if they want. Could you schedule a team that's not going to make the playoffs, an FCS team? You could, but you can't count two toward your bowl. That's right, yeah. Because they already have the William & Mary game. Yep, you're right. Um, so, yeah, and the what, what you didn't mention is their last four are all against – there's no cakewalk left. No. Every team that you're playing is jockeying for position in the division, right? Yeah. So you have – well, BC on the other side, right? But that's sitting there with just one conference loss, I mean, and arguably the best team they have left on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could then, be. Then you have you're at Pitt, which mm-hmm. is you know if Pitt wins this week against Virginia, they're in the driver's seat for the conference. They get a home game in front of like what twenty two thousand people. Yeah, nobody's showing up. Um, you know, th- that's possibility, and Pitt. Is one has is got to be one of only a few in that division that have never played in the ACC championship game, right? Virginia, Pitt, yeah, that it. Carolina has Georgia Tech has, Miami has last year. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. we're missing some. Duke, Duke has, Duke has, yeah. So Pittsburgh and Virginia are the two teams right now in the driver's seat, both controlling their own destiny for the most part, and uh, neither of them have ever played in an ACC championship game. Yep. Uh, then you have Miami, uh, you know, not exactly a juggernaut, but still. Loser of two straight. And then you, you have Virginia to close the season. It's going to be really interesting to yes, watch. Yes, it it's going to be about as interesting to watch a mediocre football team as I can remember. Because mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not very good. And um, all of the prestige and history, you know, is going to come to play. What's the last, when's the last time they missed a bowl? Night. Well, they've they've been to a bowl twenty five consecutive. So, years. in their what late eighties, early no 90s? early nineties, early nineties. I think it was ninety two. Um, so I mean, yeah, that that that's a quite a long streak, and you know, there's other benefits from playing in a bowl. You get the extra practice time, and which a young team could use. Yeah. Um, but with the early signing day, you also take guys off the road recruiting. Well, so you know, a lot of things to consider. One team that doesn't have to worry about bowl eligibility is, because they're already there, UVA. Right. So Saturday seemed like a little bit of a trap game. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know Carolina's bad record-wise, but they've been competitive against some good teams, and they have went over Pitt. Um, But they got – the Tar Heels got close sometimes, but but Virginia kept answering, and then the second half it looked like – I didn't watch a whole lot of the game, but they they kept them – well within or well beyond the arm's length through the rest of the second half, right? To me, this was the stat of the day, Jonathan. North Carolina had rushed for at least 161 yards in every game prior to Saturday. The Tar Heels rushed for 66 against Virginia. Virginia just dominated the line of scrimmage with its front seven. Just a superb performance 
by Chris Peace and Charles Snowden and Eli Handback. I mean, they were just exceptional against the run, and that that created all kinds of problems for the Tar Heels, and they're having to rely on the pass, and that's just not them. Uh, so Perkins, I think he passed for over 200 and with three touchdowns, ran for over 100. Only the second quarterback in, in program history, the first since Bob Davis in the 60s, to have a 200-100 game, 200 passing, 100 rushing. So his best ACC game. Yes, I know he played a really, really strong, had a really strong performance in their opener, but against an opponent in the in league play, that was his best game. Yes, and no turnovers. Oh no, excuse me, he, he threw did throw, he, he, he threw one pick on a, on a deep ball. Yes, my bad. And Alama de Sakias broke the school record for broke receptions. Billy McMullen's career uh, re- receptions record. I believe he had ten on the day and is now over two hundred and thirty. Uh, for his career. He's not the best receiver in school history, but he he leads he leads in terms of career reception. Herman, Herman Moore is yeah. the best re- and it's not it's that, not remotely close. That would be my guess. I, I when I was a kid he was he was the, the man. Uh, but I, I was trying to remember if like Jermaine Crowell or anybody like oh, no, that. He, would, would, he was good and Billy McMullen was good. No, no, they had some they've had some good wideouts, but trust me. Herman Moore, gold standard. He's one of the best receivers in league history, right? Yes, he is. Um, okay, so Virginia um, beats North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Ahead of them is a ginormous game against Pitt on Friday night. We generally will talk about all the week's games and then we preview them, but we might as well, while we're here, since we've talked a little bit about Pitt and a little bit about Virginia, talk about that game. Okay. Um, is the biggest Pitt Virginia game you can ever remember? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Not that there have been any big Pitt v- <laughs> Virginia games, but yeah, I mean, obviously division implications and and another fascinating matchup. I mean, here the Cavaliers are just shutting down opponents' running game, and as we as we said earlier, Pitt coming off a game where it ran for 485 yards against a pretty good Duke defense. And it wasn't just Quadre Allison who you expect. A true freshman, and I'm gonna, I don't know how to pronounce his, his first name, but his last name is Carter. And he ran, this is the first game he's played all year. They recruited him as a defensive back. He averaged 19 yards a carry on seven carries, ran for 130-some yards and two touchdowns. So you, you got to figure that the Cavaliers are going to get a dose of him on Friday night as well. Well, it, yeah, this game, it, it, like every game in the Coastal, is very hard to project. Uh, and last I saw, uh, Virginia was an eight-point, seven-and-a-half-point favorite, um, which is a big number. It is. Uh, even though they've been, you know, every week we talk about how consistent Virginia has been all season. They are without question the most consistent team in the Coastal. Right now, they are. I mean, they they were the only team in the coastal to go through October without a blemish. Yeah, they they, they went three and zero in the month. I mean, we we I I I know I was putting. I didn't really think this is a scenario that was going to happen, and you quickly told me not to put the cart before the horse. But I mean, it's it's within the realm of possibility they could go ten and two in the regular season. I mean, there's no team on the schedule left that that is overwhelming. Oh no, not at in all. In fact. They'll be favored 
They'll be a favorite in every game, probably except for Virginia Tech, assuming Virginia Tech's bottom doesn't fall out. I don't know if they'll be a favorite in Atlanta. You don't think so? I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. I would suspect that Virginia stumbles somewhere. Yeah, I think so too. Before the finish line, don't ask me where or against whom, but I just think the games are so close in terms of talent that the odds are somewhere you're going to stumble. I have a feeling they're going to stumble twice. Okay. But you know, it's it's uh, they've de- they've proved doubt wrong consistently this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we both pictured them before the season at five or six wins. They're already there. Mm-hmm. You would be shocked. I mean, they're going to get to seven because they have Liberty left. Yeah. You'd be surprised if they don't, at the worst case scenario, get one of the other three. Yeah. But I don't know. You, you're right. Georgia Tech's dangerous for sure. Uh, Pitt's dangerous. And then the Virginia Tech game, well, that's your – you know, it's Halloween tomorrow. That's your biggest boogeyman <laughs> that you can imagine, right? And that game's in Blacksburg. Yes, it is. No oh. matter how bad Virginia Tech si- finishes the season, that place is going to be jammed on that Black Friday, I think, because if Virginia's nine and two or eight and three, and this is the year the streak ends, I would imagine that Hokie fans are going to show up for that. I don't know if Hokie fans will. I think Virginia fans may may hit the secondary ticket market. Tech fans may they may take a pass. The rivalry doesn't get get you juiced up a little bit more than you normally would be for a team that's four and seven. Mm, the, we haven't seen that scenario. I, I don't know what that looks like. For Not Virginia since you Tech were much younger, right? Yeah. That you would have seen a team limping into the finish at f- with four or five wins. Yeah. Um, you know, you were in the first first part of your career when that that kind of thing would happen. Absolutely, late eighties. Um, so I. I just have a feeling that they're going to trip up twice, but I will gladly come on here and admit that I was that was wrong about it. Because yeah. uh, everything about this coastal division has proven us wrong. Yeah. If you gave me Pitt and eight, I'd take it. Yeah, it's a big number. That's a big number. Uh, but Pitt's another team. You know, who really knows? They've got some nice wins, but they've also got the worst loss, arguably the worst loss in the entire conference this season. Because North Carolina's only won once. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you can find a worse loss. Um, but the Syracuse win's looking really good. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's jump over um, to uh, uh, Syracuse this week. Um, or we'll go through the rest of the games from last week. Syracuse beat Nor- um, North Carolina State. Yes. Syracuse beat North Carolina State. That's right. That's right. That was a game that we would have assumed that. Carolina State, uh, no, NC State was going to get a, a nice bounce back, I thought, from from the Clemson game. I don't know about that. I mean, Syracuse had been playing well. It was in the dome. That's that you know it's going to be a high scoring game. But uh, Dungey, well, they had they benched Dungey the week before. I know, and, and then he and went for four bills. Went for four bills and, and and ran for a touchdown, I believe, as as well. And all of a sudden. Dino Babers is sitting there at six and two, and good for them. Uh, Making that, and and they should be eight and two. I mean, with the games they have upcoming, they should be eight and two going into Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame. Are they ranked? Are they ranked now? It's the first time they've been ranked in a long time. Yeah, Syracuse, BC, and UVA all 
in that 22-23-24 range. Virginia had one of the longest droughts of being ranked, I think, in the country. Virginia hadn't been ranked since 2011. Not that long. Somebody else, I don't know who who, who was ranked this week, had the, had the longest streak of not being ranked. And now I think it's Indiana. Is is like twenty something years since they've been ranked. Oh wow! I can't remember who who jumped in the bottom half of the poll, um, but it was somebody who had snapped just an enormously long streak. Um, Syracuse, funny when I was, you know, when Paul Pascaloni was there and I was a kid, they were, you know, almost always ranked. Very Donovan good, McNabb yeah. and uh, McPherson. Um, so yeah, uh, Syracuse. That, that has to be one of, if not the first time in ACC history, you've had two four hundred yard passers in a game. Well, and not only two 400-yard passers, but I, I believe last week was like the seventh or eighth highest scoring weekend in ACC history. I mean, seven or eight teams went for 40-plus points. You had all these— Four, I think, with 50. Yeah. I mean, all these ridiculous numbers. I mean, Pat Narduzzi, who's an old defensive coordinator, I think one of his r- remarks after the Duke game on Saturday was— I'm not sure anyone plays defense anymore. And he, he was referring in, in part to his own team. Because <laughs> Daniel Jones and company lit, lit them up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, Pitt survived. I think it was, what, 54, 45, something like that. Yeah, and they were down two scores in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, uh, Wake scored 50-plus against oh, just a dreadful Louisville team. And who does Louisville get this week? It's Clemson, I believe, and Clemson's a forty-point favorite, which has to be one of the largest spreads in the history of the league. Uh, and they'll cover. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. It depends on how interested they are. They are in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Louisville's terrible, and now I think it's it's possible he's going to get fired. Fourteen million or not? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Um, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> It got bad real fast. Didn't it, though? I mean, remember, we were going into the game at the start of the season, didn't think they were going to beat Alabama, but thought they could be competitive. And here they are, 2-6, and six, and getting just curb stomped left and right. <laughs> and winless in the league. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clemson and Florida State, uh, I believe you said that Florida State could s- be sneaky competitive in that game. Mm-hmm. For I- a quarter? <laughs> Scoreless at that's the crazy part. This game was scoreless after a quarter. Uh, what an embarrassing and then what last happened? three quarters. 59 to 10. Uh, so you saw the picture of the professor shirtless. Maybe. Oh, it was all over Twitter. I probably did. Yeah, there was a F- Florida State professor, yes, as it, yes, as it yes. turns at out. The to- at the, yes, yes, yes. At, at the top. And, and People came over and talked to him? Well, an intrepid reporter from The Athletic – Bless his heart, climbed up there, found out what book he was reading, yeah. talked to him. He's a big fan. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, I did see him sitting up there sunning mm-hmm. and reading a book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, I mean, I, I said I, I thought they were going to beat the hell out of him, and you, you said, yes, probably. Yeah. Um, and they, without question, did. And then the most interesting thing coming out of that game was Willie Taggart saying that guys quit. quit. And that's the last thing you want to hear. So... That may make for some a bumpy ride the rest of the way for for the Seminoles. Yeah, I <laughs> looked like they had kind of righted the ship a little bit. Yeah, when the coach calls you out publicly like that, it's gonna yeah, like you said, bumpy ship, and 
just speaks to the train wreck that Jimbo Fisher left. And Clemson's these last two weeks has really done it without Etienne. Yeah. Like, they're really just I mean, putting it on it, Lawrence to he, get him had, ready. He's had less than 50 yards rushing the last two games. I've never seen anything like them just basically prepping Lawrence. I mean, every game now is basically a scrimmage for Lawrence to get ready for the playoff. That dude may end up being your first-team All-ACC quarterback. He threw for 304 touchdowns on, on mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, they are flexing their muscles in, in quite some way. Uh, the only team that has been more impressive recently is Alabama. Uh, and Alabama, by the way, has played nobody. They are playing this week. Somebody. An LSU team that has the most impressive resume this year in college football, and Alabama is a 15-point favorite. On the road. <laughs> in in the bayou, the hard, arguably the hardest place to play in America. At night. Yes. And still two touchdown saves. <laughs> And I would take the bet. I don't know. Alabama hasn't played a soul. Not well, a soul. And But they also haven't played a player worth a darn in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So imagine if they had been playing fourth quarter. This is the week where I'm guessing two is going to get his first, quarter, first fourth quarter snaps. Yeah. It'll be interesting, by the way, and folks who listen to this will know – by the time it's posted, but the college, the first college football playoff yeah. standings it come out tonight, Tuesday, and it would not shock me if Clemson were number one, just because of strength of schedule. Uh, so I'm not, not I, I'm, I'm voting Alabama number one and have most of the year, but my four teams, and I'm not looking at you can attest, I'm not looking at anything right now. Just the four teams that I think right now who deserve. Who would have been the most impressive? If I was picking them, it would be Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia. That'd be my four. No, Notre Dame would have to be in there. I I just don't think they're as good as those teams. Yeah, maybe not. Um, You're it, an SEC homer. <laughs> I am from SEC country. <laughs> um, but I mean, after what Georgia did to Florida, and it's funny, you know, the the writing was on the wall for Jake Fromm over the last few weeks. He's fifth in the nation in passing efficiency, and they're calling for his He's like 16 touchdowns and four picks, yeah. and he lit Florida up on Saturday. He did, um, and, and they ran it on Florida, too. Well, and Justin Fields, I don't think, took a snap in that game. No. So, you know, that was the kind of the awakening, I think, that they needed. Georgia's remains a very dangerous team. Oh, sure. Um, they have a huge game this week against Kentucky, which is something that in this crazy college football season makes sense, but you never would have guessed it before the season. Which is it's and it's basically it's the de facto SEC East title game. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about Miami and Boston College. Miami is the the wheels of, are completely coming off, right? They can't figure that Mark Rick can't figure out the quarterback spot. Just can't. Their offense is a mess. It's the one thing that you would figure he would be able to figure out. I don't, I don't know. And boy, the Miami Twitter is turning on him. And well, I think that's a mistake. Because yeah. I is a great coach, and even if the 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 one of the things at Georgia that one of the strikes against him was was clock management and some of the in game stuff. Um, but he recruits like crazy. He's as good a figurehead for your program as you could possibly have, and he's going to win a lot. Once he gets a quarterback, the ACC is 
is uh, mediocre enough. I hate to say that word because I, I, I couldn't think of a better one. But he could, if, if he got a really good quarterback, you know, he could run the, run the coastal. Miami Virginia is, Tech would have something to say about it, yeah. but Miami is two and six in its last eight games against the Power Five. Two and six. Yes, and those two wins are probably ACC wins this season, right? Mm-hmm. Wow! So they lost their last four last year against the Power Five. Last. Well, they lost their th- last three in a row, right? They mm-hmm. lost. No, they no, lost. They, they, they lost their last three last year. They lost. They, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. They lost to Pitt, Clemson, and the Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the other game they lost. So then they've lost three this year, right? Mm-hmm. LSU, uh, Boston College, and, and UVA. UVA. That's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, going into that that game last year against Pitt, you know, they were undefeated. Yes, and even going into the ACC championship game, if they won that game, they probably were in the playoff. Correct. And to see how it's kind of... And they lost by five touchdowns. (laughs) That's true. Didn't score a touchdown. Well, you can only hide mediocre quarter play for so long, unless you have a transformative defense. Their defense is good, but it's not Alabama good. Yep, and And, it's not Clemson good. And Alabama, their quarterback play has not been enough to let Travis Homer succeed or dj dallas even yeah i mean they got running backs and uh their defense has not been good enough to overcome the spotty quarterback but they're turning the ball over a lot too putting that defense in a lot of bad positions Mm -hmm. and their offensive line isn't very good no 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 so i i think he weathers it no matter how they finish oh oh, i do too but i'm just i'm just telling you the sense i get on, on on twitter and and such and from from talking to reporters who who cover Miami, and they just talk about how certain segment of the heck a certain segment of the fan base has turned on Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. It's just how fans roll. Well, I think the thing about Miami is that we got caught up in what they did last year before the pit game, and didn't consider enough of what happened after the pit game. Mm -hmm. So they came into the season and they're a top ten team, and both you and I thought, without question, they were the favorite in the coastal. And maybe we should have spent a little bit more time thinking about what happened to them in those last two games, as a as a, and the first game this year, yeah. as as more closer to what their fate normally would be. Well, and the fact that Rick benched his quarterback when he was undefeated, playing the regular season finale, just showed how little faith he has in him. All right, so you think Virginia wins, but you like. Uh, the points for Pitt. I do. Even uh, ESPN's matchup predictor has Virginia at a seventy-two percent chance of winning. Wow! How about that? I mean, I th- I think Pitt's got a better shot than that. I think they do. Yeah. I mean, you know, those numbers crunching and all that. But Pitt's Pitt does have some questionable stuff on their schedule, and Virginia. I mean, you know, the, the, the Indiana loss isn't great, but the Elements were a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose on the road to NC State. That's looking not as as great, yeah, but, but still. it's still a road game against yeah. a team that's going to make a bowl. Um, so, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable every week with Virginia. Uh, but there's this this league, especially this division, has shown us that everybody's got an egg in them. And the Cavaliers don't necessarily have to run the table to make Charlotte. 
No, I, I, no. And every week it's becoming either there's more grace than, than ever. I mean, Georgia Tech's kind of back in the mix a little, right? Virginia could clinch the Coastal at Georgia Tech. Virginia could with a game to go. Yeah. Virginia could enter the Virginia Tech game having already clinched the Coastal, depending on how things play out. So with Georgia Tech still having Virginia on the schedule, now they lost Pitt, so that makes there's a tiebreaker that Georgia Tech's already lost. But I mean, it's not without the realm of possibility that they could make a run, right? No, they could. And Virginia Tech's certainly still in the mix. Yeah, sitting there tied in the loss column. Um, all right, so other games this week, Georgia Tech's in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Uh, they should be fine, uh, but, you know, who knows. Syracuse at Wake, that should be a win for the Orange. It sure should. Wake, by the way, is at four, so they need two more wins. And there, there's one, I think, on the schedule maybe, um, but, but they may have a tough time getting to two. I think they will. They still have Duke on the schedule, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Louisville's at Clemson. A lot of points for Clemson, not yeah. as many for Louisville. We haven't gotten to BC, Virginia Tech. No, we'll save that one for last. Florida State at NC State. I, I mean, I like the Wolfpack, especially after too. what happened last week. Yeah. be interesting to see the depth chart going into the Clemson game versus the depth chart going into the NC State game for Florida State to see if Taggart really has made wholesale changes. Yeah, see if he keeps his word because he talked about there's going to be – changes i imagine on the afcc coaches call tomorrow he, he will be a, a very much listened to uh, entry in that call yeah uh and dukes at miami i think miami probably wins that game miami should win that game yes but we've said that about the canes before <laughs> that's true all right boston college uh in blacksburg is that a 345 start Yes. That's a weird time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think Boston College wins, but let's get a little bit more into it. You know, the key, you, you talked about Virginia Tech having all kinds of problems stopping the run. Well, here comes the best back in the league. Yeah, who's coming off, how many carries did he have against Miami? 32, I think. Yeah, he didn't average a whole lot of yards, per but it was just one of those wear you out kind of games where he's getting four yards here and six yards there and then seven yards. And um, and Anthony Brown is is mobile, and he, he can beat you with his feet, and they use their tight ends very well. Just another huge test for Virginia Tech's defense. And, you know, the little X factor of Scott Leffler, the former Hokies offensive coordinator now in the same role, at Boston College, um, it's it's not must-win for Virginia Tech, but it's getting close. The Hokies have struggled against drop-back passers this season, right? Ian Book, uh, Old Dominion. Um, uh, I know Georgia Tech is kind of an anomaly, so you throw them out with the offense. Mm-hmm. Have they faced mobile passers this season, and, and how have they fared against them? Do you, do you, do you recall? Well, mobile quarterbacks, obviously, with uh, with Georgia Tech and Tobias Oliver, they did not fare. And they have a history of faring very poorly against mobile quarterbacks. I mean, you, there's a long list of guys who have gone for, you know, 80 to 100 yards against Virginia Tech teams o- over the years. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brown gets loose uh, a little bit on Saturday. Yeah, I the, the 
AJ Dillon reminds me a lot of Andre Williams, maybe because the school um, is the same. Um, but they, you know, he's just putting a lot of miles on his body, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who who doesn't have a long NFL career because he's getting worn out in college. It's and Andre comparison. Andre Williams ran the ball a ton in college. He was the Doak Walker. He was a running back he of the in, year he, in the country. Did he get to go to Manhattan for the Heisman? I don't know. I know he but was. He, he was a first team All American. He was I, right he, at two thousand yards. Yeah, he was a stud. And then he was a picked by the Giants and never really amounted to a whole lot. Now that a lot of that could be he was a very big back and wasn't didn't have the speed, you know, necessary to to make it in the NFL. Um, and and I'm sure my mind is clouded by them both being Boston College running backs. <laughs> Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if if AJ Dillon and and they've had other guys this year who have carried carried a little bit of the load for them, yeah. uh, but he definitely took a took a lot of carries last week. Yeah. Well, what Virginia Tech's going to have to do Saturday is rediscover the offensive mojo that it had on the first three possessions against Georgia Tech, where it went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And it's 21-14 Virginia Tech, and they're about to get the ball back. They finally stopped Georgia Tech. And then the punt caroms off Sean Savoy's face mask. Never even got his hands on it. Oh, that was a really bad. Right. And then it's at the 12-yard line, however many plays later. It's 21-21. And Virginia Tech's offense was never heard from again. Yeah. I mean, prior to that, Willis was, was chucking it. And Willis was running it, and they they had it going on, and and that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, for all of Virginia Tech's offensive problems later in the Georgia Tech game, the Hokies did score 28 points despite only having the ball for 17 minutes and change. They only ran like 40-something plays. They They had 30 fewer plays. Yeah, Georgia Tech... Had the had the longest time of possession against any Virginia Tech team in a database that goes back to 1987. It was 42 minutes. Not just any change. Georgia Tech team. Any team that's played Virginia. Any Tech? team that's played Virginia wow. Tech. And Virginia Tech needs to flip that script Saturday, just to give its defense a breather and keep AJ Dillon pinned to the bench. And that's going to be hard to do, based on. The offense that that Boston College runs, getting six yards here, four yards here, five yards here, that makes it very difficult to keep your defense uh, off the field. Well, it makes it incumbent upon you to to keep the ball and have long drives and don't turn it over. But but we haven't, at least in recent past, we haven't seen anything that would lead us to believe that that's going to be something that they're going to be able to accomplish, right? Not so far. Um, Yeah, the – uh, you know, I think Boston College wins, but Boston College is favored over Virginia Tech for the first time since the 2008 ACC championship game. I think this game goes a long way to figuring out the bowl bowl situation with Virginia Tech. If they, if they win, I, I would be shocked if they don't make the bowl. Yes, yeah, because then they're sitting there; they just got to go one for their last three. Right. Um, if they lose this one. You know, they've never had the, the, that school. I know Frank Beamer's last year, they were right on the cusp of missing a ball. Three times in his last four years, they had to beat UVA to get bowl eligible. Yeah. Three times in his last, last four years, they were five and six going into the UVA game. 
but you know, for a program though that was so accustomed to being in the mix for ACC championships, you know, this is pretty st- staggering uh, turn of events over the last f- six years or so. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's what happens in college football. One minute you're Nebraska, <laughs> next minute you're you're Nebraska. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, for for uh, anyone who I, I cannot advocate uh, um, wagering on college games. Sure you can. But it's legal if you're gonna <laughs> in some states. <laughs> if if you're gonna take a pick this week, Ohio State's only a 19 point favorite against Nebraska at the Horseshoe. So ooh, yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a very attractive pick. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's go a little bit across. You think Boston College wins? I, think I do. You said that. Uh, it's a big week for college football. Obviously, the headliner is Alabama, LSU. But man, there's a bunch of other games. Yeah. So, so Georgia is at Kentucky, six versus eleven. The SEC East will be decided. I think Georgia wins that one. I do too. Um, Kentucky, by the way, needed a touchdown as time expired against. No, Missouri. it was untimed. Right, 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 right. Yes, because right. it was a pass interference you're in the end zone. You're right. right. Yep. Last play of the game to beat Missouri. Um, and uh, and get into this game, which is essentially a play-in for the because K- uh, Kentucky's already beaten Florida. Well, both teams have beaten Florida. Yeah. West Virginia goes to Texas. Texas suffered a pretty staggering defeat against Oklahoma State on Saturday night on the road. Yeah. Um, so that's a big game, also for uh, who's who's going to I think eventually get their their shot at Oklahoma. Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship game. By yeah. the way, sneaky unbelievable season not sneaky but Kyler Murray, Murray yeah. his numbers if Tua wasn't around I mean his he, he'd be yeah, he's, his, his pass rating is like 220 it just so happens that Tua's is like 230 it's <laughs> crazy but his his numbers are incredible um and Lincoln Riley uh, came out yesterday I think in a press conference and said he wasn't interested in the NFL well that's and those natural ties of Cleveland, Cleveland firing their yeah. coach and Baker Mayfield being in Cleveland um, I would guess that he would be a natural candidate for that job just because he knows Mayfield so well. Yeah, but if, if I'm him, I, I, I stay in Norman, Oklahoma. I believe this is correct, that Mike Tomlin has fired six straight Browns coaches. <laughs> um, I know the six straight Browns coaches have been fired after the second game against the Steelers in that season. And wow. my guess is the turnover has been so much that Tomlin has been there for all all six of those. Well, I, that would not surprise me. Um, Iowa is at Purdue. It's an interesting game because this will be the first Purdue had a, that emotional win over uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State, and then they lost to Michigan State, and they get a ranked Ohio, Iowa team coming into West Lafayette. Um, Penn State, Michigan. Michigan Michigan's- is a 10-point favorite. They've played very good defense, but right. I don't know that I've seen enough out of their offense to warrant a 10-point favorite. Uh, Penn State struggled, too. They have. And, and Michigan is right there in playoff contention. Yes, they are. I mean, you're going into the season, and then they lose to Notre Dame, and people are like, oh, here we go again with Harbaugh. And then he's answered the call with, what, seven straight wins. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan number five in the uh, CFP rankings tonight. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, so we I gave you my four. Yeah, you think Notre Dame is in there with LSU, Alabama, and Clemson? Yeah, and then and then five, six, and seven are where I think it gets interesting with Michigan, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Yeah, that that's those those would be my seven. Yeah, I put how they rank how they rank five through seven to me is going to be interesting. I put 
um, probably Notre Dame would be my five, um, Oklahoma six, and then seven. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have Notre Dame ahead of Michigan. Seven would be Michigan. In terms of, of actual, like, who I think's better, it, Oklahoma would jump Notre Dame, and I, th- I think Oklahoma's probably better than LSU. Um, but Michigan is, is the, of those seven, is, to me, is the, is the weakest of the seven. But the rest, I mean, you know, they're the losses to Notre Dame, and they, they have a lot of in front of them. They got Penn State this week. They still have Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. Uh, the, the Big Ten championship game is, is a nightmare because there's nothing to be gained from it. You're probably going to play Northwestern. Probably. There's nothing to be gained from it. There's everything to lose. Um, so, anyway, a little off topic there. Um, I think the Notre Dame's at Northwestern this week. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting game. First time the Irish have played at Northwestern in eons. Well, the 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 flag planting moment for Northwestern back in like nineteen early nineteen nineties was that win against Notre Dame with with Pat Fitzgerald Gerald, and Darnell yeah. Autry, who maybe went on to win a Doak Walker Award. Yeah, that was the team that went to the Rose Bowl, I believe. Yeah, that, yeah, and they have they were an also ran. They were to me Duke growing up, like, mm-hmm. and then that was kind of their stepping stepping stone into relevancy. Um, so those are the games this week. Uh, obviously, our eyes will all be on Baton Rouge. Uh, well, you, your eyes won't be there. You have a wedding to go to this. I week. do. I am. I am going to uh, miss both the UVA Pitt game and the BC Virginia Tech game for my goddaughter's wedding in Baltimore Friday night. I'll be uh, giving the toast at the rehearsal dinner, and Saturday night I'll be in a tuxedo. Uh, Cutting a rug with a seven-year-old. <laughs> well, now we will. So, so Teal will actually come back, and he will DVR those games. And he'll watch them. Oh, yes. And I will not, because <laughs> I'm going to be in Shenandoah this weekend. Oh, are you? Yes. Good but, for you and Jane. <laughs> that's right. In, in the dog's first trip to a national park. <laughs> uh, but we're not going to. I will. I will just fake my way through it next <laughs> week. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I will be at a hotel Saturday night to, to at least catch the LSU. Um, Alabama game, so I think that that's the one I'm most looking forward to. But you know, Friday, I will Friday night. We'll probably be in a hotel too to watch the the Virginia. Uh, yeah, Virginia I imagine game. I'll catch the second half on TV after the rehearsal dinner. Uh, yeah, so many so many interesting games this weekend. Um, but to transition a little bit, you you spent last week since we've talked. I think last you went to the ACC basketball uh, media day down. Yeah, in that Charlotte. was last Wednesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked. I think last Tuesday. Um, and as we pre- Duke was the preseason choice, people just keep making the same mistake. <laughs> um, but you, you know, the interesting thing for for everyone listening probably is how Tony Bennett uh, responded to the first time, you know, in front of the collective media since uh, the loss to uh, Maryland Baltimore County. So in that same bill, that 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 was the kind of the the hook is that here are the Cavaliers come to ACC Media Day in the same arena where they lost to UMBC, in the same arena where they will play the ACC tournament in March, and oh, lo and behold, they stayed in the same daggone hotel that they stayed in for for the NCAA tournament. I mean, Kyle Guy t- told a great story. He said, we walked in the hotel, and w- one of the staff members looked at me and said, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, all I could do was laugh. And no, but Bennett handled it just as 
great as he did after the game and then after as he went around the circuit at the Final Four and even after the Final Four collecting Coach of the Year awards. He, you know, in essence, he says this is part of our story. We have to embrace it. We have to use it to get better. And I think it has rubbed off uh, on his players. Well, he's the guy, I mean, he's so, at least from an outside perspective, he's so even-keeled that that's the kind of person you want, I would guess, to, to lead a team coming off something like that. Yes, I agree. It, you know, somebody else who could be, who's very volatile, you know, it could be, could be a little bit of a problem. But he's so even-keeled um, that, you know, I guess that's a, probably a good thing. Yeah, and oh, by the way, Virginia did get the news that we've been anticipating in that Braxton Key, the Alabama transfer, is immediately eligible, which I think clearly makes Virginia the preseason favorite in the ACC. The media uh, consensus notwithstanding that has Duke 1 and Virginia 2. I think we talked about this last week. I think Virginia is going to win the regular season championship, mm-hmm. but I still think Duke is the ACC's best chance to win a national title. I think that's very fair. I think I said last week on the podcast that I believe Duke has a better chance to win the national championship than it does the regular season ACC. Yeah, that that probably may be a little bit more fair that that they have a better chance of winning the national title than winning the ACC regular and the ACC tournament. Uh, than they do winning the regular season championship. Maybe Virginia does have as equal a chance of winning a national title, but Duke's chances of of winning the regular season aren't as good as their chances of winning the tournaments that they'll be in. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, they're coming in with with as much hype as as they've had at least since most people can remember. Ranked 15th in the preseason AP poll. How, How did Buzz address that stuff? He said it's irrelevant, and he doesn't really talk to his to his team about. It. Buzz is used to preseason expectations. He, he had is. Him, yes. He had him at Marquette when he was the head coach there, and Hokies were picked fifth. I I picked him fourth on on my ballot. Syracuse um, behind Syracuse. You picked Syracuse behind them. Yes, and Syracuse was ahead of Virginia Tech in the uh, in the consensus. But I, I, I like the way Virginia Tech's schedule breaks by rotation this year. And I just think that uh, I think they're, they're poised for, for a breakout season. They've never won more than 10 ACC games. I think they're capable of more this season. But 10 and 8 in the ACC is not shab- too shabby. Either. No. But I think they can get to 11 or 12. Who? Ooh. Who, I know. Who's the who was the preseason player of the year? The preseason player of the year was who? Who was it? R.J. Barrett. I didn't even. Pay I know attention. he was the preseason freshman of the year. Yeah, which is kind of an, a no brainer going into the. No, season. Luke May was was the preseason player of the year, and that's who I voted for. Yeah, I mean that makes sense based on his what he's done in his career, um, going into the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Barrett is the player of the year at the end of the season. Yeah, um, Kyle Guy or. Ty Jerome, I think, was second team, right? Preseason All ACC. Yeah, I think Guy was first. Team. Guy was first team. I for mean, you, sure. only, you only vote for five, but they they announced the top ten vote. Getters. I thought I saw Hunter and Jerome were on second team. Oh, I'm sure they were. And Guy was first team. Um, so, I mean, I'm guessing he'd be the outside shot that Virginia has as player player of the year. Or does Hunter? Does Hunter? Hunter has grow, the biggest upside. Yeah, I think Ty much. Jerome's their best player. Yeah. That's that's just my personal preference, uh, but if if anybody's going to break into that player of the year 
stratosphere, it's probably DeAndre Hunter. It's funny. They're the rare team that has different answers for who's the best player, who has the biggest upside, who is the most important. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I think those you, you could make arguments for three different players for those those things. Yeah, Hunter Hunter biggest upside, uh, most valuable or best would be Jerome. I mean, most important, most important maybe Mamadi Diakite. I mean, can can they get more consistent play out of him? Because if he becomes a force on the interior, their their perimeter is so good. Is Clemson being a little underrated? Not in my mind. I voted them sixth. I mean, they they bring back their best player, right? They bring Marquise back everybody. Reed. Yeah, and they were at one point. Well, they were up in the top ten for sure. They got they were really close to the top five, right? They were undefeated yeah. for a yeah. while. No, they're they're I mean, made the Sweet Sixteen. Gave you know, didn't play particularly well in the first half against Kansas. In, in the regional semis, but certainly weren't outclassed by any stretch. But of any team in, in the country who benefited by early entries returning, Clemson is arguably mm-hmm. the one that's benefited the most. Yeah. Because they could have been completely railroaded if all those if the guys left, mm-hmm. and then they all come back, and you know, you're talking about, to me, a sleeper team. I don't think they can win the league, because I think Virginia and Duke and, and North Carolina are too good. But if any team would be a sleeper, I think Virginia Tech and Clemson would be the two. Yes, the two footballs, the, the, the two schools <laughs> right. that people think more of for football. That's right. Uh, anything else of interest that you, you saw down there? Well, there was, it, was, it was crazy because, not to give people too much of inside baseball or how the sausage is made, but I go down there and I'm talking to people about different issues and such and going to 20 games – not this season, but but next season and open in the year with, with conference games and also about the G League initiative and the NBA is going to offer these guys $125,000 contracts coming out of high school. And, yeah, there was talk about the FBI trial and such, but we're two-thirds of the way through the event, and I'm actually in a one-on-one interview with John Swafford and he has to excuse himself and step out. So as he steps out, I just look at my phone, and I have a news alert that says the verdicts are in in the corruption trial, and it's guilty on all counts. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. So I'd tear up what I was planning to write because I thought that was the news of the day. I wanted to get reaction from Swafford. I wanted to get reaction from whatever coaches were still hanging around. And thank goodness Mike Bray was because, as anyone in the media knows, he's your go-to guy. I mean, he just he has good, insightful opinions, and he's not shy about sharing them. And so just had to scramble a little bit uh, on that. Yeah. So uh, the G League is something that you wrote about either today or yesterday. Today, yeah. Yeah, that I just wanted to quickly touch on. Okay. Um, so – the offer of $125,000, it makes it, to me, probably a little bit more palatable for a guy who doesn't want to go play college basketball and, and, and considering going to Latvia or Turkey. Right. Or, or can't play college basketball because he hasn't qualified. Right. But in terms of marketability, no. you're still – I mean, no one's going to – outside of Le- LeBron James, 
to me, is the only, and Kobe are probably the only two high school players ever who could have gotten a full marketing deal coming out of high school. Maybe Dwight Howard. But that's so, so rare that you kind of need college to build up your brand to get those shoe deals. Right. And you also need college to develop your game. And in college, you have cutting-edge nutrition and cutting-edge medical treatment and cutting-edge training techniques. And the G League doesn't have that. The G League gives you a per diem, and you go fend for yourself. And you're playing before 3,500 people. You're not playing on national television. It's no way to build your brand. And, oh, by the way, you're playing against 25- and 28-year-old men who are making one-fourth of what you're making, and they're pissed about that, and they're, they're going to treat you accordingly. Well, I think Jay Billis, I don't know if it was in the last week, obviously Jay Billis is one of the most vocal <laughs> critics critics of, of the NCAA and how they operate. You know, he's an attorney, so he sees things from, you know, a labor standpoint, I'm sure. Um, and the idea that uh, he, I think I heard him arguing the idea that college basketball is better without Kevin Love or without, you know, one year of Anthony Davis, that these guys going straight to the pros makes college basketball better is, is ridiculous. Yeah. He, you know, advocates for making, um, obviously allowing players to, to get their market value while in college, mm-hmm. but also, you know, incentivizing the school aspect of it by, you know, giving guys the, the ability to make the, make money and there's an actual reason to stay in school um if you could if you could get your market value in college you know, there's plenty of guys who actually you know we see as four-year seniors who don't get drafted because they're just you know like they're good college players you know it would be more valuable for them to stay in college than to try to jump true um you know like i, I poor Sean Respert and Mateen Cleaves are two guys that come to mind from Michigan, Michigan State, State, who were great college basketball players. Mateen Cleaves, I think, hung around for quite a bit of time in the NBA, but they weren't great players. But if they could have made their market value at Michigan State, you know, that offsets the fear of, you know, not getting drafted or not catching on in the league. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, I don't think they're going to get many takers. I, I just don't. Oh, the G League yeah. deal. Yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I know I, I made the argument that you know going to play in turkey isn't as good as oh no but but if somebody in shanghai is offering you a million dollars you know that makes it a little bit more difficult of of, of a conversation to have yeah and i think we're we're a ways away i I know the alston trial is is winding down but there's going to be so many appeals there that we're a long way from jay billis's nirvana of free and fair fair market value i think so too i think it's a shame but yeah, I think there, we're a long way away from that, and I think we're actually a long way from fe- seeing all of the layers of the onion peeled back in terms of corruption and. and oh no, because we we still have trials to go, and they're going to be right in the middle of the NCAA tournament last next year. Yeah, well, or you this know, season. I brought up last week that you know I'm not we're not obviously not alleging anything has happened. We're just report we're talking about what's been reported, but when people like. Doug McDermott or Greg McDermott at Creighton are being implicated, you know, that that puts another level of school into play for, I I know they're in the Big East now and they're good, but Mm -hmm. you just never would have associated a school like Creighton to be in that mix. No doubt. And so, yeah, it's something that we'll, much like we have the last year, we're going to keep an eye on. 
Well, you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to. I'll come back with a full wedding report. You, we'll, you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to enjoy mine. And the Shenandoah, yes, and please. And we'll, we'll do some research before next week's podcast. We will. I hope you all come back. All right, thanks. Bye.